Hey, this is Kip Winger, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads, Scott here. And Richie. Welcoming you back to yet another episode of that, which we like to call Focus on Metal. How are we doing, man? I'm good. I'm glad I'm here because I wasn't supposed to be. <sighs> yeah. Welcome to the uh, <laughs> welcome to the construction chaos. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I've got an interview scheduled next week, and I'm praying that, and I even, I told them ahead of time that, I was putting this time slot in because I have to work around the construction noise. And I just think back to the episode, probably the first episode you heard of us was uh, the interview that I did with Martin and they were roofing my house. And so they were pounding shingles directly above my head. I think that was the first one you might have heard. But yeah, I did. I think I did three episodes that day because it was like, well, they're roofing. I'll get a bunch of things in and yeah. They were right above my head for Martin, so this is kind of taking me back to that. Sure of inconsiderate bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, so, yeah, a little bit of a little bit of chaos. Hopefully, it'll be good, but uh, no chaos for the uh, interview that uh, we have that you did with uh, Kip Winger this week. Yeah, Um, I'm a massive Winger fan, I'm not going to lie. I'd even go as far as to say they're in my top five bands. Yeah. Which you're looking at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've just been a fan since the debut. Yeah. And I know they're, uh, the catalogue isn't that big. And they had a, they, they, there was a break in between. Like the new album is their seventh. Right. Yeah. And their first album came out in 88, which is 35 years ago. Yeah. Um, sure, I wish they had more product, but, you know, Kip's busy. He's done solo albums. Rev, yeah. Rev, of course, is the longest tenure guitarist in Whitesnake. Yep. Um, be interesting to see what, what happens with Whitesnake because they just released their uh, the Still Good To Be Bad record. Just rolled in today. Oh, you have it? <laughs> just um, rolled in today. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, and, and the comment I made back out on Twitter was that, yeah, and it actually got here in quicker time after release date than 72 Seasons did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I love what David Coverdale has done with those re- reissues. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're a fan of those records, you get all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. You get the demos, there's live stuff, they're just well-packaged, yep. re- remixed, remastered. Yeah, yeah, I've got Everything. I've got every single one of them, and Everything. and they're great. And and that one, I actually took the opportunity to get the limited blue vinyl version as well. So okay. I got the box set and I got the vinyl. Okay, uh, but yeah, and and yeah, like I was saying, it got here in quicker time after release date than seventy two seasons did. But what he's doing, Coverdale, and I probably some of it is maybe has to do with licensing. He's doing what a lot of other bands aren't doing. He's Going, he's re-releasing the catalog now mm-hmm. that wasn't multi-platinum. That wa- that probably isn't from what people think of sure. the classic era. Because when you think of catalog now, bands just keep going to the well. 
Yep. When all the multi-platinum records came out, 70s and 80s. Yep. He's releasing an album that came out in 2008. And I fully expect him to, to continue He's, to do that. I, yeah. yeah, if he does it with Forevermore, I'm all over that, because yeah. I think that album's a masterpiece as well. Um, we've already gone down a rabbit hole. We have, but that's <laughs> all right. That's all right. That's what a discussion episode's about. Yeah, but back to Winger. Yeah. Uh, Massive fan. I think I've seen him four or five times. There was one weekend that I believe when I moved here, I'd never seen never seen him live. I'd seen Reb with uh, White Snake a couple of times when in Ireland when he played. Yeah. Um, but I'd never seen Winger, and there was one weekend here that they played close enough to here, or, or my place. Yeah. Um, two two shows in three days, and I went to both of them. Yeah. Oh. Just had to be done. I did the same thing with Cinderella, who I'd never seen. Yeah. Oh, no, I'd seen Cinderella once at Donington, but I'd never seen him play a full set. Yeah. And I did the same thing there. My wife was like, what are you doing going to see him twice? Oh, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> they they usually don't, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, great. I mean, great interview. Um, you know, as, as we said before, we actually started recording. Yeah, he's... He's a tough talk to, you know, it's definitely, um, I mean, granted you caught him before Monsters of Rock as well. So I'm sure he had his head in, in that game as well. But, uh, yeah, in the beginning of it, it's definitely kind of a, is he really going to engage or isn't he going to engage? And eventually he does, but it's, it's, a it's kind of a little bit of a slog before you got there. I don't know whether he was doing a run at him. Um, you have to think he's got a shows coming up on the boat, um, and here he is probably doing a run of interviews. Yeah, and he, I think he's probably doing the majority of the interviews promoting the record. Probably, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I've this is going, probably going to come out now, and the record's coming out on the eighth, I believe. So I've had the record for a couple of weeks, and it's outstanding. Yeah, and he. Every time I've interviewed him, he's always asked me, have I heard the record? And I always make sure when we talk to him that I've heard it. Because well, not that, but you also, it was interesting because, you you know, he asked you that, right? And then you said, yeah, which is probably an answer he gets a lot. And then you were like, I like this about this song. I like this about this song. I like this song, this song, and this. And, and then he was like, he knew I heard changed. it. Yeah. He knew I'd heard it. Yeah. yeah. Not only that you heard it, but you considered it. Yeah. Yeah. But... The one thing I'll say against that, I fuck, and I've said it before, I fucking hate MP3s. Yeah. Um, I'm a physical product guy. So have I listened to the record a few times? Yes, but I really can't wait to get it. Yeah. On the physical format is, is out the 8th, and the fucking vinyl's not out till August. Yes. So yeah, I'm and, and that's, go been there. The, <laughs> that's been the, well, yeah, and that's the thing with with that label for... Um, a couple of them, right? Because it's all Sweet Lynch, same deal. It's not out till August. It's it's there. All of them for that. It's it's a big gap. So that's why go back to the earlier rabbit hole where I was really happy that I got the box set and I got the vinyl from White Snake on the same day. Okay, it wasn't, well, I'm going to have a look at them gap. before I leave here. Then you know, I have the original uh, Good to Be Bad vinyl, mm-hmm. which I was probably pretty difficult to get in 2008. But I've got a copy. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's uh, yeah. I, it, but I did see that it's been a, a big gap. I'm even you know probably betting that when um, Extremes Six comes out, that I'll get 
the CD on one day and I'll get the vinyl months later. I they're, hope not. They're not on Frontiers, though, are they? No, they're not. It's ear they're music, not. isn't it? Uh, it's not, they're not on Frontiers. Yeah, they're not on Frontiers. Yeah. So it's, it'll be interesting to see if there's a gap on that one or not. But yeah, it seems to be like a, yeah, okay, I guess we're just waiting. So, and it was even, um, they did the re release of uh, Lillian Axe, Poetic Justice. And that one, it took forever. That was actually a whole comedy of errors with bad pressings and weather and all kinds of crap. But I finally, finally, after, I don't know, five months, (laughs) got it. No way. Yeah, it was a while. What, did they keep emailing you, giving you these bullshit excuses? Well, no, I would go, hey, you know, what's going on? And it would be, you know, they would tell me what was going on. and, And some of it, yeah, I mean, it's legit. They were basically flooded out. You can go to the Weather Channel and be like, oh, yeah, they're fucked. <laughs> so it was, yeah, but, uh, you know, it was constant, constant communication and stuff. And uh, it was, uh, you know, funny also, uh, Wayne Stokely, Twitter was giving me all kinds of shit about the fact that, uh, yeah, he had his and I didn't have mine. But, uh, yeah, finally got it in. So there you go. You can stop giving me shit, Wayne. But uh, talking about releases, right, we were kind of. Might as well. We're a little bit late to the game, but what the fuck? I don't care. No. Talk about 72 seasons. Yeah, stop. Stop. Before we even get into that, here's the one thing I'm not, I'm not, I'm never a fan of is talking about a record and reviewing it a day or two after you have it. Or oh, even, no. You got to absorb it. Shit. Yeah. So I don't give a fuck whether yeah. we're late to the game. I'd rather be late to the game <laughs> and absorb the record than try and be first yeah because everyone tries to be first on everything so. yeah no i don't want to be first but it's uh yeah we're just yeah, a little bit lagging but eh, whatever yeah so we talked a little bit about this record before um yeah when the first first two singles we talked about the first one we talked about the second one yeah yeah and of course one of the gripes i have about bands now is they release a quarter of the album before it's even out and metallica more or less did this they did yeah and then once it once it actually did get released they essentially released videos for like every other song too just boom 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 every boom, single yeah. song yeah which is i mean that's that's fine um and what's funny is that even after all of it i don't know why if it's just something in my head but it's still my favorite track on here is still that first single it's still lux okay that's still my 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 top track is that and my second is uh shadows follow Shadows Follow, the second song. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So we've had the black album, and then we have the yellow album. We do. We, we have, maybe in honor of Striper, it's the yellow and black album. <laughs> I think Michael Sweets posted about that. They've, they've, they've it's done. the yellow and black talic attack. Yeah, I think someone has put them, a, a meme up with the Striper logo on the cover of this. You know, maybe they, and they're harking back to Ron with the young metal attack, <laughs> the yellow and black metallic attack. See? But yeah, and it's... So what what kind of cheesed me off about the delay was, so I have this version. Hang on. How, how long was the delay? Because I, I ordered this on Amazon the day before it was released, and I, I got home the day it was released, and I had it. I ordered this within the hour the album was released. I'm, I'm sorry, announced. Within the hour the so album was announced. November last year, I ordered it? this. November. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That day, within that hour, I ordered it. This is also the one that comes, the only, the one that comes directly from Metallica. Yeah, you've got shit from, you remember the fan club, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, 
this was so yeah you got yours before i got mine and these <laughs> and these were the first ones off the stampers oh they own their own vinyl factory they, now. yeah the foundry yeah yeah so these are the first ones off the stampers too so the first one's done <laughs> so when did you get it uh, it was released on, on a Friday. It was so. released on a Friday, and I ended up getting it, I want to say, I think the Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm terrible. Like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. How much did you pay for it? And the CD, too. How much did you pay for it? You probably would have, that's probably 50, is it, for the vinyl? Oh, I don't remember. Okay. It's been that long, too long. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. That's fucking terrible. It is, yeah. Like, you're paying for it in November, they own the factory, they're first off the press. You've bought shit ton of... I, like, I'm looking around here, mm-hmm. and I know, I've, I've known you long enough now, you've bought a fucking shit ton of stuff off that fan club. Yeah. And, and I get it before you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lots, I mean, lots of people did. Yeah, because it was, yeah, release day, and everyone's posting their unboxing pictures and stuff, and it's kind of like, well... And I, you know, I get here after work, and I'm thinking, "Yeah, it's going to be here." Nope. <laughs> now, what did they what did they offer um, when it came to the record? Because I, I when Hardwired came out, I bought that on CD, mm-hmm. and I think it came as like two or three CD version. But then, a while after the album came out, I was in some record store, and they had like this box set that had um, the vinyl box set. And it had like the twelve inch of, uh, with the extra studio track that they released, Lords of Summer. Yeah. And then it had the the, the B sides, um, and it had like badges and stuff like that. Hmm. I've but, never seen that version. Have you not? So no. did they offer anything like that for seventy two no. seasons? Nope. Nothing at all. Nope. That's unusual these days, isn't it? It's very unusual, but they kept it to pretty much. You know, this is what we're putting out, and and it could be. Now that they have done enough stuff with blackened records that they know kind of what the pressing demands are, that Foundry is very manual. And so I think they know what that throughput is and they don't want to overpromise, underdeliver. Are they just producing Metallica stuff and that's it? The bulk of what is done through the Foundry is Metallica stuff, yes. Wow. Yeah. Imagine having the power the cash to say right we'll just buy this uh, the factory we'll buy it we'll yeah. cut out the supplier we'll supply it we'll do it ourselves it's a, in, in a way it's a smart idea I mean it's they're, a, in, a, it they're is. in a great region right because you've got a lot of other smaller pressers in that area as well so they have some good networking going on and it's long it's been kind of a long time pressing area as well so it's good and then the fact that they know that with this resurgence, it's probably a hell of a good investment as well. You know, so it's, and they do have really, really good equipment, mm. but it is, it is very manual. Um, and I still got mine before yours. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and more so because a lot of pressing plants, they will, that record comes off the stamper and it just goes onto a spindle and they stack a bunch of them on the spindle and then they quickly go to boxing and it moves along. The foundry is one of the few plants I've seen where they actually get them off the stamper. They go on the spindle. Then they get put into smaller racks, and they use 
wasted albums as weights to flatten them as they cure. So rather than being boxed right away, they actually get f- like cured and flat, and then they get boxed. So they actually end up having a much less chance of warp on their albums one because they do that. is warped. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it it's fine, a, but it's warped. But it's a, it's a much more manual process. But yeah, yeah, I just yeah, I couldn't believe it. it was like, what the fuck? You would think that you'd get it like day of or you know before but not like after everybody but yeah they did mm. i've been playing this album a lot and when i say a, a lot like i mean three four five times a week yeah and when i play it i play it all how often did you play um hardwired not as often not as much in the beginning as this one really yeah um and the same with death magnetic yeah I wouldn't say I played that magnetic a hell of a lot when I when I when I got it first. And I, and I put those three and then stopped there because starting with Death Magnetic, they've shifted into to my mind and then a few other longtime Metallica people that I've talked to as well. They've they've shifted in this other little sonic space, and so there is this sameness to the sound of all three of those albums. This one is definitely has some other more aggressive stuff on there, which I think is why I like Lux, um, because it breaks out of that in some ways. And Kirk does a bit more on this as well, but they all, to me, there is kind of this uniformity to it, which is weird because you think Kill 'em All does not sound like Ride. And Ride does not sound like Master. And Master does not sound like Justice. And Black Album definitely doesn't sound like that. Load, Reload, they're similar. But then again, a lot of them, same session. So, okay. We're not going to talk about Lulu. (laughs) (sighs) St. Anger. Um, And St. Anger has its own thing. I think, you know, there's a lot of turmoil and other shit that goes with St. Anger as well. But then Death Magnetic... And I've talked about this on the show before, is when Death Magnetic came out, my, I initially was like, eh. and I had to go back to it a while later, and then it was like, all right, I guess I am liking this. But on first listen, it was, uh. and then the same thing with Hardwired, but then Hardwired does have some some really good songs on there um, that were catchy probably also because I've heard them live and um, but then this one I, I you know obviously Lux comes out and I'm like oh good they, they step change and I think we talked about this too and I was hoping that more of it would sound like Lux and less of it sounds like Lux and and a lot of it does sound more like the prior two albums to me I think you get a bit of everything there is um, if you go through all their albums it's like yep yeah. That song sounds a bit like that, like Lux is, yeah. is your, your kill em all yeah. uh, throwback. Yep. Um, you Must Burn is load, slow. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. You know, 72 Seasons I Love, the title track, is excellent. Um, Shadows Follow, yeah, is really good as well. Um, the last song, Inner, Inner Murata, is too long. 
I love the I love the middle of it because it's very like Tin Lizzy sounding. The, yeah, the uh-huh. twin guitars. Yep. Um, but eleven, it goes on for it, fucking it's a long. Minutes. And there's, a long the thing song. is, is is in some of the stuff that's been going on in social media, a lot of people actually choose that song as their favorite song off the album. Yeah, which is interesting. It's not. And, a, it, I'm not saying it's crap, but you wonder if 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 they've been longtime fans, and if you were to ask them their favorite album, if they would say, "Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I really liked Injustice," where you had these. I'm going to put a part after a part after a part. After well, there's some of that on this record too. Yeah, uh, Chasing Lights one. Yeah, that could, you know, it sounds like something off Justice. Of course, Chasing Light sounds like an Iron Maiden song title. <laughs> I read it, I was like, oh, that sounds like a Maiden song. <laughs> Crown of Barbed Wire. Like, Jesus, some of the tit- some of the song titles on this Screaming Suicide. That's a good song. I yeah. like that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a good song. Um, it, I think it's a very very good record. Um, at this stage. Of their career, they don't have to bring out new albums at all. No, no, they don't. Um, the fact that they recorded this and kept it hidden, and then boom, looks came out like fuck, new Metallica record. Yeah, yeah. Um, the big bands can do that. Yeah, and they did put some. I mean, they again, they also that you know they could have just thrown something quick together, but they put you know really good workmanship with the album as well. And the thoughtfulness of how they did the layout and, and yeah, but the, everything the, the on it. The bands like Metallica and Iron Maiden and yeah. Kiss, they never skimp on the fucking packaging. But they don't... It was part of Kiss's whole marketing thing, though, to do that. Metallica could have not done this and still had just as many sales. But the fact that they were like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do that, you know, and they're going to... They're gonna have that, you know. You got the you got the crib, you know. It kind of gets reprised with the crib with the the cutout as well. And I don't know if you got the CD or not. No, I didn't. Just but, so yeah. So the CD is this crazy. <laughs> all right. Other thing that opens up, and you have all those other tableaus and 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 the booklet and stuff. So it's. Did you get the cassette? I did not get the cassette. Oh, God, no A-Tracks, please. Damn. No freaking A-Tracks. Oh, God. Hate at you. A-Tracks, God damn. It's a fucking long record. Um, They've always done these six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, six minutes. You got Lux is three minutes, and then you got one track, another song, I think Too Far Gone is just over four, and that's, that's trashy. Like, there's some trashy stuff on it. Yeah. But for the most part, the fucking songs are long. They're five plus. Yeah. Somebody did a, I don't know if it just came out this week or I just happened to notice this week, but somebody actually did a, a fan mix where they cut out all of the kind of extra shit and cut the album down to a more succinct format and was like, yeah, that's the album right there. <laughs> Which band needs more editing, Iron Maiden or Metallica? Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to no think hesitation about that. there. I don't have to. And, and what's weird is, is that because we don't have a two-minute Robert Trujillo bass solo at the beginning of every song? <laughs> it's it's weird that I say Maiden when you're sitting there with Kevin Shirley and he's just like go 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 go. So it's like with Kevin pushing them along. How do they come up with such long fucking songs? Where you know with this, <laughs> this was like they were writing and they were iterating and they were taking their time and they were, and it's like. Yeah, but it's yeah. Maiden is still the yeah. It, they need to be edited. That's yeah. what Martin was good for. Yeah, I'm go- I'm probably going to piss you off now, um, because I know you're a fan of this guy. I can't fucking 
And I've listened to this album a lot. Yeah. I have a hard time remembering one fucking guitar solo Kirk Hammett does on the whole record. <laughs> That's because you remember those melodic solos that he did before that had that catchy hook type of stuff that's in there. And he doesn't do that on this album. Yeah. So you can understand what I'm saying. You the same way? Yes, I am. Okay. And usually on the, on the other albums as well, there's a modulation in the song and then Kirk's solo comes in as well. So you already have that whole, that shift in there kind of, Go back to the interview for this week that, you know, Kip talks about, you know, putting a modulation in a song and shifting it and stuff. And some of the other albums, that's what they did before Kirk did a solo. It made it more memorable. It built that up. And you go, ooh, and you tend to, to listen to that and pull it in more. That doesn't happen here. Because there's, there's songs on this, like, and the riffs will just go through my head. Mm-hmm. Like, Chasing Light is a riff I love. Lux Eterna is a riff I love, 72 Seasons. Um, and the riffs just they bore into your brain. Yep. The more you listen to it, the yeah. solos. If you ask me to say, you know, what's your favorite solo on the record? I couldn't name one of them. Yeah, there's no big standout no. on here solo wise. No, it is. There is a lot of of riffs. It's it's pretty much showing the you know the aptitude that that James has still for writing riffs. Yeah, yeah. But as records go. It's a very, I think it's a very strong Metallica record. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you'll have your percentage of fans, you know, the usual shit. Mm-hmm. The band died after Cliff died <laughs> and, you know, it's not Metallica yeah. and everything they release now is shit. And and then you got a lot of fans there who will give it, a, give it a, a listen and then they might say, oh yeah, I listened, I tried to like it and I didn't. And then you've got the the other fans, so you're not a true fan if you don't love everything they do. Right. I'm kind of... I really do like this record a lot. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to lie and say, oh, yeah, it's the best thing they've ever done and sure. everything yeah. they do is great. I'm, like, I'm glad bands like this bothered or are springing out new music and I can still get it and, you know, get excited about mm-hmm. a release date on, on records because when you look at bands like ACDC and, and, and Metallica and, and, and even the sm- I know Winger are a smaller band, but... Winger bringing out a new record and Overkill just brought out a new record yep. and we, we can still get excited about that that the bands even bother to release new music now yep. and Tired these Tigers are, of Pantang new yeah, album coming yep. out tomorrow and these are these are the big this is the biggest metal band in the world yep who are playing stadiums and they're, they're still bringing out new music yep. and long may it continue and of course as we're speaking about this there are still three I think there's three test pressings of the new Pantang album still available for sale. Okay, I didn't. I was going to buy it. Here's here's a good one for you. Now it's interesting to bring up that band. They had a record fair behind us here on Saturday. Oh, Mill Five, yeah, yeah. And I went over and I got, I got the UK picture disc of Persistence of Time. Uh huh. I got Wildcat Tigers oh, of Pantang. That's a great cover. I got Far Down Under. Uh huh. I got Made in Japan, and I got Ready and Willing. $80 for all of them. Wow. Which Fire Down Under version did you get? I don't know. I think it's a major label one. Okay. The picture disc for Persistence of Time is a UK picture disc. Yeah. Um, but I was like, like, fuck, yeah, fuck, yeah, <laughs> fuck, yeah. 
and they got the guy the guy from the record store in there he came out and said did you get anything I'm like you're fucking right I did yeah, that's great that's great yeah, I, I, had, I, had a good the, day. I love the cover of Wildcat oh that's like yeah yeah, it's my favorite I, cover. Song. I, had, I I was actually listening to it before I came down tonight, and I was like, "Yeah, Scott loves this shit." <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and and, and Chris yeah. Sangaridis did it. I mean, I just did. I just bought a. Um, I I have a older version of Fire Down Under, but then I just picked up a uh, music on vinyl one. Okay, and uh, just because, yeah, it's a. I just love that album. Ten dollars for that one. Wow, Fire Down Under. Wow, That's yeah. Good. The most expensive one was that the picture disc was 30, but it's a fucking cool picture disc. Yeah. And that, that Persistence of Time is a fucking great album. And they just put the yellow cover on it, right? Is that what they did? Just put the yellow cover on the disc? No, no. It's, um, it's got, uh, it's got a picture of the band on one side with this. And then on the other side, it's got, do you remember the clock they had with the faces with one, the, mm-hmm. each of the eyes and yep. lights in them? That's the main cover. Cool. That's nice. Yeah. That's so awesome. it's, it's yeah. a UK pressing. It, yeah. it's, 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 it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have the lyrics or anything like that, but the fucking yeah, well, no, looks the picture just don't, so yeah. yeah, it's fucking cool. But, um, yeah, so that was a good day. Yeah. That <laughs> definitely was a good day. Holy shit. Yeah. And I asked about the Eric Carr thing. I got one. Oh, you got one, got yeah, because he had two when they were gone. Yeah, I got the, one. The minute, they, the minute he opened the door, they were gone. This record store day thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, they flew. How many did the press? 500? 1,000? I want to say have, have to be 750. I, I, I could check Discogs because I have it in my Discogs. They made the cover match the other solo albums. So it's like a, it's black with Eric's picture. Is it one, a double album or a single? It's a double Oh, oh, so yeah. probably what twenty, twenty-five songs? Um, no, is it over there? I'm not sure if it's over there or if it's in the bedroom. <laughs> you went to all this trouble and you don't know where it is. <laughs> well, I, I had it I in know, a pile, I know. but then I had to like I know move moving, everything out I of the way. Construction, right yeah. Now. So it was like, yeah, so everything's <laughs> everywhere. But yeah, <laughs> fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've even got a couple of, uh, because some of the releases are different in the UK, so I actually do have a couple of UK things coming in, too. What? Go on. Tell me. You can't <laughs> remember. You don't, And you're probably going to get them in fucking February next year. No, they're already on their way. <laughs> they're already on their way. Yeah, one of them was a nice, uh, it's a different version of, of uh, the Stones Beggar's Banquet that they released in Europe. Um so what did you get? What were the ones you wanted to get and you got them? Because I'm not a record store day guy, really. Because uh, you went, you you stood outside, you went. You I did, stood, I stood you, in the big ass line. You, you were in the line, you went in. And, so so listen, when, when they opened the door, yeah. is it fucking pandemonium like Black Friday or how did no, they do it? No, they don't. They, they, at least for Newbury, they don't. Yeah, so I got... Uh, Dio Live in Fresno. I got the, the the big thing I was going for that was giving me the most agita about not being able to get. Van Halen. Was Van Halen. One of the other guys I talked with on Twitter from Connecticut, he drove five hours until he found a copy. 
Yeah, but is is that just a record store day thing, or are they going to yeah, eventually well, release it's, it's, it it's, generally? They'll probably release it in general. This was a red vinyl it's version. It's a triple vinyl, isn't it? With the, uh, four. Oh, four. And it's got some of the tracks, I believe, that aren't on the uh, the original CD. Yeah. It's got The Dream Is Over, I believe. So that one, uh, the Motorhead Lost Tapes Volume 4. They've already got one through three. Yeah, they uh, found them then. The Eric Carr one. Um, Shadow Life. I'm sorry, Shallow Life. Shadow Life. Yeah. <laughs> Shallow Life from Lacuna Coil and also a, a Dark Adrenaline from Lacuna Coil. And then there's a, uh, there was a Best of uh, UFO, Last Man Standing. Those were all the things I was going for. And the only you, one I didn't get that day was Eric Carr. And what were they selling them at? 40 each? Well, the Van, Halen one, the Van Halen one had to be 60 or 70. No, the Van Halen one was 117. Oof. Oh, my God. It's four. I don't care. Oof. Vinyl is not cheap. I know, but fuck me, that's a lot of money. Vinyl is not cheap. Okay. So the rest of them were probably 40, 30, 40 each. They varied between that, I think. One of them was 77. Yeah, they all they vary. The UFO must have been a double. Yep. Okay. I didn't even really look to see what was on it. I think there was a Mr. Big record. I think there is. Yeah, I, have that. I got that too. The Mr. The Big on a blue w. vinyl. Okay. Do you not have that on vinyl anyway? The original? I had it on CD. Oh, I got it on vinyl. Yeah. Funny. I got that on vinyl about two or three months ago for $30. The original. Oh, then I also picked up, it wasn't originally on my list, but it was there. Um, and that was uh, Generation X. Okay. So I hadn't had a vinyl for that that for a long time. Do you know so. what? I, do you know what I picked up on vinyl? And I paid. I probably paid more than I should have on it. And but when I say who it is, you're going to go, ah, yeah, I can understand that, because I believe it's not that easy to get. Is uh, the Shadow King record? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then there were, I mean, there were some others that, you know, I, oh, no, I also, uh, now that you reminded me, I also got the Operation Mindcrime 2, that was the $77 one. They only had one copy of that in the store. They only had one copy of Motorhead in the store. They brought out Mindcrime 2 on, didn't know that. They did, yep. And it was, so, so, to get back to your question, was it chaos? No. Big ass line. And of course, at that point, they were the only thing open in the mall. Yeah. Everyone was just there for yeah, every, that. Every, oh, well, so Target was Dunkin open. Dunkin' Donuts would have been open if it was in there. The line was just down the mall. Um, now, as we started to go in, I realized what the bulk of the people were there for. Taylor Swift. And I was impressed by that. That there were, because I was like, wow, there are like a lot of young girls in this line. Like, I'm thinking... Motorhead. What are they getting? Yeah, they must be getting Motorhead. <laughs> and and so as we, you know, you get up, when I finally got in front of the window, I could kind of see because they set them up. So that store, they basically, they use like a giant ass wall and then they have some kind of subsections. Like out in Natick, they have it all on tables. So a little bit different. But th- but and so I think Natick was probably, a, would be a little bit more chaotic and I've been there later on a record store day and it it was yeah a little bit different there was no trash metal band had a record store day release did they mm, I don't not think that so. i remember for this one no normally there is one isn't there it varies yeah 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 
It was a good one, though. Uh, yeah, definitely, it was an expensive one, you get but some, it was a good one. You get some, uh, you get some odd albums coming out in that, like Mind Crime 2 on vinyl. I'm like, what? Yeah. Really? Like, that's just an oddball one. You'd probably never think, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have that on vinyl. Yeah. Um, because there's, there's a lot of albums ahead of that that I'd love to get on vinyl. Well, um, even that debut Mr. Big one, like... Yeah, but that, what I'm saying what I mean? is that, that came out on vinyl originally. I'm talking about albums that are like in the last 10 oh, or 15 yeah. years or so. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some Megadeth records. Yeah. I, I know people are going to fucking hate me for saying this, but I'd love Risk on vinyl. I'd like a Risk on vinyl as well. Yeah, and I don't think it's even... Are you euthanasia? Oh, yeah. I wonder how... Uh, that'd be demanding on the curve, but with Nick's drums... On that, that's powerful. Be interesting though. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one to cut. Definitely have to be a double album. Or the art of dying by Death Angel. Is that uh, on vinyl? I don't think so. I know the other ones are. I don't remember if that one's on vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. But they. But the the thing too though is that because of their willingness to do double albums, then you actually do get enough wax to to give you that space if you want to have those that big bass and all that too you can't on a regular lacquer so mm. yeah well, some of the albums I'm I'm mentioning now they could be on vinyl in Japan and they could be on vinyl in Europe I don't know probably not though I mean it's it's it is expensive to make the vinyl make that master and everything else there's there's a lot to it and, and you know to have somebody to master it for vinyl and cut it and everything else there's a big investment and yeah I don't I don't think they're going to do all of them like that. So, okay, yeah, okay. So you're going to go to the next one. Bring your sleeping bag, your jar of coffee. <laughs> no, I, I was. I, I, I will, I'll tell you, dude. I was shocked at the line. Just stand in there and just shout at the top of your voice with your hands out. Stay the fuck away from me! <laughs> Hurry up, you old bastard! In a way, ironically, I was happy to see that many people interested in vinyl. No, but you weren't. Like, like, Holy <laughs> you, you shit! You were until you were until they fucking bought the one that right in front of you oh, that you wanted. Well, then you I, wanted to kill him. I got my Van Halen though. That was my big <laughs> one. My big one is I wanted to get that Van Halen. That one's yeah. That was definitely a, a big one. Have you looked? Bring that one up. Have you looked on eBay to see how how, how the price they're ch- they're selling that for now? No, you have not. No. So you said you paid one hundred and seventeen. Yep. So you're looking upwards over two. Probably, if someone, if someone has that on eBay, it's it's over two hundred. Probably, and then the thing is, is it might even be more because I think I want to say that Van Halen has only ever released four colored vinyls, and they're all red. And I do know that a different kind of truth. That one there, which was a limited release when it first came out usually sells for somewhere about $300 a copy. I know because I've been looking because I want one. I have fuck on vinyl with the hype sticker. Yeah. And that, I can get a pretty penny for that. I'm sure you and it, can. And it's in really good condition. Yeah. It was the last vinyl record I ever bought before. Hmm. When I went, then I went to CDs. It was that one. And the Heat by Dan Reed Network were mm. the last two vinyl records I bought. And then the following week, I got a CD player. Yeah. And then fucking 30 years later, I went, fucking <laughs> went back to vinyl again. <laughs> like the sheep I am. 
anyway, we've been nattering for a while here. We have almost almost fifty minutes. Really? Yeah. Just but but I mean, I'm glad we actually got a chance to talk about seventy two seasons because yeah. it is again. It, it may have some, you know, likenesses to the prior two, but I, I, I do like it. I'm glad it came out. I, I can honestly say that I enjoyed it, and it's, it's definitely an album that you listen to that you don't just put on for background noise. You kind of space out a bit for some of Emirata, but it's, it is an album that has your attention, which is cool. Yes, it is. It has a bit of everything from the whole career. So if you're a Kill 'Em All fan and you don't like some of the later stuff, this probably is not going to do it for you. But if, if you appreciate uh-huh. everything they've done yeah. to its different degrees, yeah. you're gonna you're definitely going to get something. Yeah, and you can and you can get a sense of the fact that these some of these songs in the live set are going to sound fantastic. And and I, I do know that... I think they're playing three or four of them They already. are. Yeah, because I've been looking at the set list um, they're mixing coming out of like, you know, the, the shows in Amsterdam and stuff. And, yeah. And they're mixing them in, which is which is cool. So it'll be interesting to see come next August, you know, what they play in the show. I think they're going to still play a couple of songs because they're still doing two plus hours, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you they're... It is the tour for this record. Yeah, but so it is. They're, they're not going to do a Megadeth and play one song. No, but remember, there is a no repeat. Yeah, so, so two it's, nights. It's you get two, two nights and sets. it's two totally different shows. Man, I wish fucking more bands did that. You know? You know yeah, but not every band out there is willing to, to dig in their catalog. Also, most bands out there, their their fans don't won't react to a dig into the catalog either. You know what I mean? There's usually you watch, you know, in a Metallica show and wh- when you're there, everybody seems to like every song as opposed to Aerosmith where, yeah, I'm liking all the old stuff and the new stuff. That's nah, not as much. And you can see that some other people are even more polarized by it with new stuff to old stuff. But it seems like, you know, when I go see Metallica, people like all the songs and they could pull something old out. And even if there's a person there that doesn't know like that song, the fact that the energy around them is so into that song, they end up being into that song. Can you imagine the poor bastards? They might go one night and say, right, we're going to play all of St. Anger or we're going to do Lulu. Oh, oh my God. Ah, <laughs> oh, fucking Lulu. God damn. Oh. Hey, they're do- hey, they're playing a different set every night. You mm. never know. I don't, even, I don't even think on those multiple anniversary shows, I don't think they pulled a Lulu song. <laughs> so, yeah. And the the thing is, they can't bring Lou Reed up to do a song because he's dead. And that's it. They and Lulu should be like Lou, and just stay dead. Just, yeah, no, oh, God, I don't know what they were thinking. I wonder. I wonder would. How would this fly with you? I, I, and this is right off the cuff here. Imagine one night they did a show, a set, all covers. Oh, I could totally see them doing that. Well, how would you I'd, feel about it if you're going to see them play and they played all covers? I'd like it. You, you really? I would. Yeah. Okay. Because I know that they'd be playing like Saxon, Motorhead, Diamond Head, Budgie. 
You know what more, I mean? Would, di- more diamond head, more diamond head. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be, I, I, I'd Maiden. be like, this Maybe. is freaking great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be into it. Yeah. yeah. Bob Seger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Merciful fate. You know. Yeah. I mean, with the exception of the, I, and actually, I like Bob Seger, but I mean, their their cover catalog of stuff is is. It's, pre- it's, it's pretty good. It's the shit that I was listening to. It is. It's at pre- the same time, they were listening to it. It's pretty good. But if you were if you were to go to a Metallica show, and you spend God knows how much money yeah. to go see him, and they just play covers, <laughs> now, I, I could fucking see a tribute band or something. <laughs> I would. I mean, I would definitely be like, yeah, and, and I'm sure there'd be would be people around going, what the fuck, <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> yeah, or an acoustic show. <laughs> okay, that might throw me a bit. That would throw me a bit. Or you see all the orchestra going up beforehand, and like, oh no, yeah, that would that would throw me. Yeah, no, yeah, when I yeah, I couldn't handle that. Yeah, yeah, you're going, aren't you? Yeah, next year first uh, first show, and I think um, obviously you had to buy both nights. The so time do, I do you know it. who's supporting on the night you're going yet? Or? Yeah, Pantera. Okay, so and is it Wolfgang? Yeah. Oh, so it's Pantero, and then who's the other band? Five Finger Death Punch or something? Five Finger Death Punch is doing night two. And then someone else that I don't know of. Yeah, so I think right now, as it stands, I'm going to do, I'll do the first night, and then uh, my buddy Jeff is buying the second night tickets off of me. Okay, okay. Because, yeah, we just don't want to. Where's in Foxborough? It's in Foxborough. I don't want to do two nights in Foxborough with that chaos. What, what month of the year is it? August. It's August 6th. Oh, fuck. It'll be roasting. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I guess it'd be one thing if there's a really good campground in, in Foxborough. So, yeah, if we if we put the camper we had that weekend, that would actually be really freaking cool. Because it would be, even though her house isn't far from Gillette anyways, but that would be a lot easier. But, yeah, we, I just can't see me doing two nights in a weekend at Gillette. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that one. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see Pantera. Yeah. It doesn't really bother me that I've said it before, Zach and Charlie are doing it. It's, you know, yeah. the songs are fucking great. Just yeah, to they see do a great job. Live. Yeah. Fucking killer. Yeah. All right. All right. You want to, uh, let's, let's roll your talk with Kip. Yep. All right. Hello. Hello. Hi, is that Kip? Yes. Hey, Kev, it's Richie. How you doing? Good, how are you? I'm okay. You in Nashville? No, no, I'm in uh, Orlando waiting to get on the cruise. Oh, that's tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I bet you that's a lot of fun. It's fun, man. Yeah, it's very fun. Okay. So how many cruises have you done at this stage? Oh, I don't know. Maybe six or seven. With the band or a solo? Both? Both, actually. Nice, nice. So I, I want to start off, I'm asking all the singers this question over the years, um, and I don't know how often you get asked it, but what's the sickest you've ever been and still been able to do a live show? Oh, God, I don't even remember. I, I never get sick. Um, I cancel if I'm that if I'm sick. I just It, it's, it destroys your voice. I, mean, I, I don't, and, I, and I can't even remember the last time I was sick, to be honest with you. You're lucky. Yeah, very. Okay. See, I know the band just announced shows in Japan. I'm curious to know, what what sort of gifts have you gotten over the years from Japanese fans? 
Oh, I don't, you know, uh, just drawings and t-shirts and stuff like that. They're very nice people. They, they, they're big on gifts. So, um, it's all very nice, but nothing, nothing that would stand out in my memory. Like, Oh my God, you know, just very nice gifts and cards and stuff like that. Okay. Don Dawkin told me he got a Rolex. Good for Don. (laughs) You know, it might not be true. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, when you were playing there in the beginning with the band, were, were the crowd still sitting down and they wouldn't clap until the end of the song that there was no noise at all? In Japan? Yeah, yeah. that's how they do it. Yeah. yeah, how, yeah how, how, how weird was that for you as a performer to get used to? Oh, it was just weird for the first couple songs and then, you know, I figured out that's just their culture, you know. They're very intent on trying to understand what you're saying because they're translating it in their head, you know. Okay. Did you try and learn a bit of Japanese to uh, to speak to speak it a little bit? Not really. I mean, I'm you know I'm really I suck at languages, so <laughs> you know maybe uh, you know thank you and that's about it. Okay. And what what about the adulation over there? Were you able to leave your hotel and not get mobbed? Oh. I mean, you know, there's always a mob following me around, but they're they're very polite. Okay, how do you deal with that in general, Kip? The adulation, like a lot of people, like you know, saying how great you are and all that. How how do you deal with that without letting it get to your head over the years? Man, I mean, no one ever recognizes me, and I never even consider myself as. So I, I mean, I don't think of myself as a rock star or anything like that. My primary goal in life is to be a good musician. So everything I focus on is all about how the music is and, and what, if it's a cool chord progression. I don't pay attention to any of that other stuff. Um, it's just not in my wheelhouse of personality. You know, I just focus on the music. Okay. So you've always been grounded anyway. It wasn't something that anyone had to say, look, this is what's going to happen to you and here's what you need to do. No, no. I mean, success, fame changes some and money changes people. But, uh, you know, know, mostly it changes the people around you more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Do you think having a personality like that is one of the reasons why it's still the original band? that you're all more or less the same guys as when you started. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all very good friends, too. So um, we just have a great time, you know, together. We we really enjoy the hang, and they're very funny. You know, Red Beach is hysterical. So, you know, it's just a great, it's a great hang. Yeah, yeah. Now, I interviewed you for Better Days Coming, and one of the questions I asked was the, 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 the gap between Karma and that record and the length of it. And you said that you didn't want the next record to have the same gap, but it's actually longer. Uh, did you ever get a sense that the new album mightn't actually happen? I always knew I would make this record. It was just, Rev was very busy in White Snake, and, and you know, I was very busy doing my thing. Um, I wrote a two hours of music for a musical and, and a symphony and, and uh, you know a bunch a lot of music for a solo album and stuff so we're just super busy and, and uh, given the schedule that he was keeping and my, it was the first chance we had to actually get it together 
And then actually we we started quite a while ago actually, but then COVID just put everything to a halt until we everybody could travel again. Yeah. So, so Reb told me in an interview I did for his solo record well over a year ago. Um, I was talking about this record and and what was going to happen with it. And he told me that you were setting the bar really, really high for this one. What do you know what he meant by that? Like, are you a perfectionist? Yeah, I mean, I just want to. I when you put out a new record, you want it to be as good or better than anything else you've done. So I think our catalog speaks for itself. There's a lot of good stuff there, and, and I don't want to just try to cheat the audience with a bunch of crap, you know. Uh, and I have have a lot of pride in the records that I make, and I want them to be um, inspired and not sound uh, like a bunch of music that's getting phoned in. And have you heard the album? Oh, I've heard the whole thing. Love it. Yeah, love it. Oh, I, there's, there's, song, there's songs on it that aren't the singles that are probably my favorite songs. I love "Heaven's Falling," the second track on the album. Brilliant song. Oh, cool. Yeah, oh, and I love stick the knife in and twist. That's very like something off Karma. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, so when he says raise the bar, I mean, I just I have this thing that I call the one thousand year recycle bin, and you know, so many musicians like, but what about this? And then play chord progressions that you've heard a million times, and like, that that one goes on the one thousand. You recycled in like the words, uh, you know, filled with hot love and desire or shit like that. You know, it's just like <laughs> we've heard it all too many times, you know. So, like, <laughs> those things aren't allowed to go on my album. <laughs> Do you and Reb write the same way than you did in the beginning, or has it changed over the years at all? No, nope, hasn't changed at all. We sit down with a drum machine and knock out some riffs and let it rip, you know, let's take it from, uh, you know, inevitably Rev will come in with a few ideas and then we'll jam and maybe something else will happen by accident, you know, so, uh, it's the same as it's been from record one. And that's what I was trying to do with this album. Every, every member played on every single track, for one thing. And, uh, I wanted to. I wanted to kind of search for the initial spark of the first album, like the energy and the and the kind of innocent, but not not really innocent, but just like kind of spark of the first record. But but combine it with the with the depth of what came after it with all the other albums, you know. And so grab the energy of what it was like when Rev and I first sat down together, and then make a record that had the depth of everything that followed, you know. Mm. Now, when I sat down, it was either with you or Reb a few years ago, and we're, we're talking about um, the second album and the fact that you had to write Can't Get Enough and Easy Come, Easy Go after the album was rejected by the label. And you, I think Reb told me you wrote them in half an hour, those two songs. Do, do you think the best songs come really quickly no. like that? That's just total bullshit. He's not, <laughs> he wasn't telling you the truth. They just like he was probably exaggerating on something. Like, yeah, we wrote it in half an hour. For one thing, I wrote "Easy Come but Easy Go" by myself, and I was iffy about that song. I felt like it was a little, it was a good song, but it was a little too poppy for me. But can't get enough 
probably took us a week or so to knock out. Um, but the answer to your question, and I know what you're getting at, is that do some of the best things happen in in the half an hour? And yeah. the answer is yes. I mean, sometimes sometimes things just are automatically there, and all you're doing is taking dictation of what of what the thing, what the thing is. It's just right there in front of you. Okay. So, are there any uh, are there yeah, any yeah. songs on the new record like that that were written really quickly? Um, let me think about that. Uh, no, there wasn't because what the, the my main objective with this was to not do typical modulating verse chorus stuff. I wanted to keep finding different angles to you know, hit the listener with. A great example of that is Proud Desperado, where you hear the Proud Desperado, you hear that part and you think it's the chorus. And then after that, like the other new chorus comes, you know. Mm. And so we were thinking, wow, this is the chorus. And I kept listening to it going, no, man, we got to take it one further, you know. So I worked on a lot of this stuff. Resurrect Me was another one like that where we were searching for this chorus non-stop, you know, and it was just like because I wanted the chord progressions to be something you know, that we hadn't done really before and that was something somewhat cathartic for my process, you know so you know, Reb uh, you know, his he's really good at at um, just like the initial inspiration of stuff just coming off the top of your head. And then I'm good at like, okay, well, what, what, what we need to do with that is go here and then maybe we, let's throw something really different at it, you know? So that's where we work really well together. Mm. Now, when you're so, when you're showing Rod, Rod what to play and Paul what to play, do they, are they able to interpret the songs at all? Or are you like, no, this is the way we're doing it. You have to play it like this. Oh no, they play, I let everybody go, hey, I hear this, like the keyboards on, on Broken Glass, all that stuff is Paul, he, I just, you know, he just did his thing, you know. Yeah. Um, he's also playing the guitar solo on that song, Paul. Okay. That's his first guitar solo on a winger album. John Roth played the solo on Time Bomb and One Light to Burn, and, uh, but the answer is no, I like, I like I don't like albums where one guy plays everything necessarily. Sometimes it's cool, and I've, I've actually done it myself, and I may do it again. But um, when you got a band like of guys that are this talented, I I don't sequester their talent. I, I um, I'm like, hey, what do you got? Show me what you got. And if it if it if it rubs me wrong, like, ah, that's not what I feel like for this. You know, I'll fight everybody on it if if I feel really strongly about something. But especially with Rod, I'm like, just do your thing, dude. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you find it hard, Kip, to let songs go? No, I find it hard to find it where they sit right with me until I'm like, okay, this doesn't need anything anymore. That's the goal, to get it to where it like sits right in your solar plexus and you're like, okay, I don't hear anything else. Like, am I, my, my biggest thing is, missed opportunity like okay is this musical idea has it grown to its fullest you know kind of ability or is there, is there a missed opportunity with something happening in this song that I'm not thinking of like could I do 
could I make a cooler solo riff out of that part, you know, that kind of thing. So it's all about missed opportunities, you know. And if I don't feel like I've missed any opportunities, then I know it's finished. Okay, okay. So I want to talk to you now about the realities of, of touring for a few minutes. Um, I know, I think earlier this, I think it was this year or last year you were supposed to go to the UK and you did, you, you put out a video saying that, you know, the, the, the rising costs and the promoters guarantees and there's a lot of different, you know, facets to it now. It was the, one of the reasons that you didn't go. Um, wh- when did you get savvy to the business side of music? Was it very early on that you were able to recognize all these things? Sure, because the money starts coming in, and when you don't, when you get out there and there's no money at the end of it, you're like, "What happened?" You know. So I was heavily involved in the management of the band from day one. We, um, Bo Hill and I, basically managed the band. Which we we hired a woman to do our to help us uh, and manage a lot of the day to day stuff. But we were calling the shots and. Uh, uh, so from really from the very beginning, I mean, it was somewhat of a learning curve, but I, I learned a lot when I was out with Alice Cooper as the bass player. I got to just sit on the sidelines and watch how they do that. So that was like, you know, going to get your master's degree in rock and roll touring. And, uh, and then when I had to do it myself, I, I, I had a lot of experience by then. Mm-hmm. Would, would Alice still be a musician that you'd contact for advice or is there any any is there are a lot of musicians out there that you you'd contact and ask their opinions on on maybe the business side? That's a good question. I I, gener- I generally tend not to talk business with people like Alice. Um, what I I like to, maybe maybe it might be hey, what you guys do when you were out on tour with so and so? But uh, um, so generally, I don't tend to ask those kind of questions maybe well like I, I was in Alan Parsons band for a while I sang with him I asked him pretty a lot of stuff about a lot of things um, so I've been very fortunate and I do um, I will say going go on record to say that everybody should have a mentor in, in the field that they're in if they want to become better it's always great to buddy up to someone who's way cooler and better than you are so you can you know, learn the chops from somebody who's been there. Mm. Um, and I, and I've certainly had many of them, you know, but for the most part, I mean, I, if, for, for brain picking on music business stuff, I would choose managers who've got managed huge acts like Shep Gordon or Larry Mazur or, um, you know, people that I've known along the way, you know? Yeah. So, so Kip, being someone that's heavily involved in, in, in the managing of the band, how, how would you explain the decision using that cap to the band that might affect them adversely, if you know what I mean? Like, because I've had the, I've had this I've asked this question to someone like Danny Bowes from Thun, the band Thunder, who's also the manager, and he says that there's different approaches to it. That the main approach he'll use is that he'll just sit them down and explain it from A to Z, and this is why we're doing it this way, and then they can decide what they want to do. Well, how, how do you approach that? I, I don't, I'm not sure I understand the question to explain to the band how stuff is going to happen. Is that what your question Yeah, is? yeah, because sometimes they might think that, oh, why aren't we doing this? And you'll have to put on the manager's hat and not the band guy's hat and say, this is why we're not doing this. Yeah. 
No, well, Rod, you know, Rod Morgenstein is very influ- influential in the, in, the, in the management side of our band, too. So Rod and I talk about it. And Rod was in the Dixon Dregs, and they were largely self-managed. And he's a really solid money guy. And you yeah. could say, hey, Rod, Rod, what's 987 times 35? And he'll go, boom, <laughs> give you the answer. So for, as far as budgets go, he can, like, knock that out, no problem. We actually have some help right now uh, with some other managerial tasks, but um, for the most part, you know, the band guys have been around it so long. We, it's not like that. Like back in the first tour, that would have been the time when, yeah, we had to have band meetings and say, look, you know, we're spending this much and we're not making enough on merch to pay offset the cost, whatever. You know? um, and, Reb, for example, would prefer to just be on a bus and tour for the rest of his life. And like, I never want to get on a bus again as long as I live. So (laughs) we're we have we have different needs, but uh, everybody in the band is pretty savvy at this point because you know Reb's been in White Snake, Doc, and Night Ranger, Alice Cooper. You know, I mean, like Paul was with Tommy Shaw and, and. and Cinderella and, and Steve Perry and you know Rod was in the Craigs and was a professor at Berkeley. I mean, you know, these are guys; these are really seasoned guys, and there's no, you know, there's no mystery here. Yeah, I, I just got two questions, Kit, before I leave you go. Uh, you go. You're going out with Tom Kiefer and John Caravi later this year, and I believe both of them live in Nashville. Do, do you know both of them personally? Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, I've known forever. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you do you ever jam with them in Nashville at all? Like, is there a place that all you guys can get together and jam every now and again? No. No. Not at all. Um, sometimes they have a jam night in Nashville, but that's more in LA. They do like a bit like ultimate jam night in, in LA. But I'm not really a jammer, to be honest with you. I'm I'm really more of a composer. Yeah. So I. I was a jammer when I was, you know, 15 playing grand funk songs and stuff like that. And I love that. I love that, you know. Yeah. But, but, um, I don't, I'm so, I listen, man, I've got so much stuff like in the queue. I don't, I don't derive much pleasure from jamming, to be honest with you. I'm one of these guys who's like playing a game of chess, you know, like I'm like, okay, what's the next move in this? Well, right now I'm writing a violin concerto for National Symphony, so I'm kind of totally wound up in that. And I'm also touring with this band, so, Mm. So, you know, a lot of times I don't listen to a lot of music, Richie. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I hardly ever listen to music unless I'm studying it, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, final question, Kip. The pull album is thirty years old this year, next month, I believe. Any, yeah. are you going to celebrate that in the live show at all? Maybe play a couple of songs on off that album that you've never done live. Where are you calling me from, by the way? I am just outside of Boston. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, you're actually playing up near me. I think in the same weekend in two different venues, probably about twenty minutes from my house. Got it. But she's kind of sound. You have a bit of a of a of a. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to place the accent. I'm, I'm Irish. I I was going to say Irish. Yeah, I didn't I'm from Ireland. You if I said the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the answer is yes. Um, we play down in Cognito, obviously, but you know I like to do like Blind Revolution, Mad Junkyard Dog. So 
it's also the 35th anniversary of the first album so you know we're trying to divvy it up and a lot of times we're opening and we don't have as much time and stuff and we got to play all the hits and stuff like that but but certainly if we're in your neck of the woods man like you know make sure that's known to me and i'll throw some more stuff and pull on the set list yeah because that's my favorite winger record i appreciate that yeah so before i leave you go kip I've interviewed you four or five times now and I've never asked you a question about Beavis and Butthead and I won't because everyone else does. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. I appreciate it. Okay. Nice so do you want to give yeah, out the, the, the social media sites where people can get in touch with the band? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, uh, yeah, wingertheband.com. I mean, everything is on wingertheband.com. You can find all our socials there and uh, all our touring and if you want VIPs, it's all there. Okay. Well, Kip, it's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. I love the album, by the way. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, and uh, enjoy the cruise. Hope the weather is good. Thank you. All right, Tip. I'll see you later on in the summer. Okay, bye. 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 All right, there you go. Richie's talk with Kip. And as I mentioned, uh, socials is all on Winger the Band, right? WingerTheBand.com. And I am going to go see them for definite with... uh, John Carabi opening, who yep. I've never seen, yep. and, and Tom Kiefer, who I've seen, I've seen yeah. a few times, but and, I've never uh, seen him solo. At Hampton? It's at Hampton, and it is also at, at Merrimack. Fox. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's at Merrimack, yeah. So that's 20 minutes from here, isn't yeah. it? About, yeah, about, yeah. It's the Budweiser Brewery, isn't it? It's the Budweiser Brewery. You yeah. come right off the highway, and you're pretty much straight in there. Yeah. Or you are like Nikki and I are, and you get to the end of the island, and you go, hey, RV dealership. I'd rather huh. <laughs> I'd rather go there uh-huh. than Hampton because you go into Hampton in the middle of the summer. It's a beach uh-huh. and it's full of fucking stupid people. Yep. And the nice thing is, is that, it, like I said, it's a straight shot when you come off the Exeter. And if you want to, you have the opportunity to take the the back roads, take three O three A home. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's yeah. not bad. I think I'll uh, I'll be partaking for that one for definite. Yeah. Um, fucking love winger. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, I'll have to look and see whether that one fits our schedule or not. But, yeah. Karabi. I've always wanted to see Karabi. Yeah, that'd be good. Always wanted Yeah, that'd be good. I know it's a, it's a, I think it's a solo acoustic yeah. show, but... That's fine. Yeah, fuck. Just play some of the Motley songs. Yeah. <laughs> you know how big a without fan a tape. of that record. Hmm? Without, without a tape. Without, without a tape. <laughs> <laughs> and a singer that can sing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah, maybe Karabi will come out, strum the guitar... And just turn the mic around and everyone else can sing the song. That, that works too. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. All right. So that's <laughs> it uh, for another week of Focus on Metal. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself, Richie, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next time, as always, remember Focus on Metal. Everything else is insignificant. You're still here? It's over. Go home.